Guys, what is the crack? Welcome to the Bitcoin with Dinny uh, podcast. I've got good guy Biker here with me today. Welcome. What's the crack, man? Oh, it's nice to be chatting. You know, I'm actually going to be come, coming to visit. My brother is going to be getting married over there in a few months and in going a- to be getting on the old plane, leaving the daughter with the parents and all while they watch the old, old fort for me. <laughs> so uh, we'll be we'll be there. Um, don't know how much motorcycling I'm going to do while I'm there. You know, good guy biker stuff. Some of those blind corners, some of those uh, smaller towns. But uh, I'm, I am looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, well, if you want to, if you want to go to the track, man, hit me up. I'll take oh. a motocross. And- <laughs> oh my gosh, that how much fun would that be? Yeah, yeah. the ACL's feeling good. The knee's been reconstructed. I just got to get the green light from the doctor, or I'll never hear the end of it. Yeah. Um, be- but before I forget, let me mention something really cool I just recently got. You know, a lot of people talk about selling all their chairs and things in Bitcoin, and I think that's funny and great. I like nice chairs though, so I'll, I'll say that. But there's this company, Fucked F U C T. And they've been just hitting it out of the park recently with some of the stuff they've been doing. I got the t-shirt on and I got no relation to them. I just think it's great. You know, everybody was just in Davos. So here's the t-shirt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so they're the Wemp shirts and they say we are economically fucked. And then they did a set of skateboards, which I want to share really quick as well. And they did a vote. They, oh, Trudeau almost almost was one of the skateboards who's our... our um, uh, I guess authoritarian that we have, but here's the other three authoritarians that did get voted in. So we got. Give us a look. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got uh, we got Bill Gates on the skateboard, and I think these are not for the feet. I think these are for the wall. I got a lot of skateboards, but. Okay, man, you know who that guy is. <laughs> look at that. Look at that Darth Vader looking that sly. You can see how many strokes are going on in that side of that face. Poor guy. <laughs> and then our, of course, don't forget. So we got Sora. And we got our favorite. Oh, our favorite. Yeah. I'm wearing freak. We got Klaus <laughs> over here. The, the body, the James Bond body. Huh? Have, you, have you seen some of the outfits he wears in public and at these parties, these little speedos and things? Bathing suits not even appropriate for like, young brazilian women and this guy's walking around florida in these things it's amazing if you get into it these guys are all wild but uh so yeah those are my three favorite things i bought this week nice man um we were chatting a little bit off air there um we're both bikers so we both have our list of injuries we we we, we compared them um but but going by your twitter bio you're up to everything man like where do we even start you've got a lot of experience in the area i want to get into security and stuff but maybe just give us a the lowdown on, on, on what good guy bikers all about and what you do i know you have multiple operations going many multiples Jesus, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the the background is my old man was the first guy with a motorola contract in southern ontario so we had computers and we i had access to things like computers and internet devices and hooking phones up and all those different things before even like my schools did as a young person, we all had computers in our rooms before, you know, most people we knew even had computers. Um, So I took to that. My brother and sister certainly didn't, but I was always an enthusiast and I was involved with, I was teaching myself languages and getting myself in trouble. And, you know, there's, there's quite some notable things. It's the first guy to hack the switch. And there's just a bunch of the, it was first guy to hack the corporate iPhones when they came out for the iPhone fours and different stuff. You were hacking Tesla's I see in, I seen a video. (laughs) Right. But never maliciously. Right. Like, like I've never been brought in. uh, I've never been charged for anything. 
Uh, I've had conversations with businesses. I've had convers. I've had cease and desist letters. I've been rewarded through bounty programs. But as a younger man, I used to do like attack attack countries websites. You know, a new country, some some country in in Europe would get its website for the first time, and I'd log in and change the flag, and you know, <laughs> all sorts of stupid shit. Eleven year old thinking he was cool, but but very quickly I kind of realized that that was. That wasn't really what I appreciate about it all. It was the understanding. So uh, I did the Cisco engineering thing. I used to do the architecture for the the school board, the network architecture for the school boards in Ontario. I used to do all sorts of different things related to that. But I always found myself back in sales, like dealing with people. And I always found myself going back to school. I always kept going back, you know, spending like two years learning law or spending two years doing psychology or going back to spending two years doing marketing and media or, or just these different things. And not just trying to understand all those subjects, but also to find like these keen people. And so I've always surrounded myself with other like kind of motivated entrepreneurs. I've been trying to pull people out of different situations. And for the last 15 years, I've basically been working for myself. We do a lot of different things. I do a lot of different things too. Crypto Kings, which is Spencer and I, that's our business related to the cryptocurrency, Bitcoin stuff. We have 11 different revenue streams in that business, all, all very related to each other uh, in, in that we get clients in, an, in a very connected way. Um, I still do all sorts of other things and I kind of bounce around. I had a repair shop for years where I was unlocking the phones and fixing really specialized uh, equipment, doing data recovery. And the second I get that all figured out, I do something else. So more recently during COVID, I got into the the sneaker flipping, believe it or not. Uh, our, our, our video production business and some things were slowing down at the beginning of that. And I just woke up one morning and was like, I'm going to go. I woke up and I said to myself, but as I was laying in bed, I said, I'm going to go make a plug. Like, I'm going to go meet someone at one of these stores. that's going to get me things that I shouldn't get. I'm going to go figure out how to make money today. And I just got, walked around introduced myself to different people and, and very quickly I found ways to kind of be a benefit because my father had businesses. He had, he had uh, 11 bell stores while I was growing up, which is the cell phone company here. Um, and he had different dealerships, motorcycle dealerships and things. So I had a lot of experience with different levels of management, different aspects of business. So I could go in there and kind of, you know, I, I make a joke. I say with the kids on the floor who are working there, I'd say, oh, what are they doing in college? And I'd, rec I'd say that I like their shoes. Oh, cool shoes, man. Cool shoes. Cool shoes. You got cool shoes. So the kids liked. But the managers and things were more worried about like beating their their sales for the previous year. So they get their bonuses. Right. And the regional guys were more worried about the logistics stuff like, oh, we just got eight months of shoes. We have no room because COVID's put everything all screwed up. She's like, I'll buy a month worth of shoes. Let's go. Right. And you shouldn't be allowed to do that. You shouldn't be allowed to buy 400 mm. shoes. Right. But we were doing it. And so very quickly, it just, I think I probably generated like about $400,000 profit in those two, two years. And now I'm trying to get out of it. Like I have all this stuff still. What are you doing? You're looking at a lot of shoes there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I know it's making me mad, but. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, it goes all the way. I can't show you the rest of the room because it's t attached to the VR, but I got closets and all sorts of things full. I got garages and storage units. It's cool. I got all sorts of fun jackets. You know, if I need to go snowboarding in a different piece of clothing for 10 times every week, that's okay. But I don't need that stuff. I hate, I hate stuff. Mm. So, 
but it was fun. Like the sneaker flipping today, everybody's trying to buy the big red boot. I don't know. Did you see that? The the boot that looks like a Rocket Man. No. It's a big rubber boot that comes up to your knee, and everyone's trying to get a hold of it. Right. I'll have to. You I'll get have... it. You sell it for two, three, four times what you pay right away. Right. Okay. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not into the sneaker niche yet. <laughs> um... It's logistics too. We were doing a patio heaters during COVID. Right, because all the business. I sit and I think about these things. It's like, so how how can we make money right now? Right, like, like I, I want to get this T-shirt that says, uh, "Let's make a hundred k by the end of tonight." And I just want to wear that all the time, and just like so people stop and like want to have conversations about that specific thing. Sure, yeah. I'm so sick of just like talking about sports. You know what I mean? And and I suppose why do you think it is as entrepreneurs? when you're a successful entrepreneur and then you don't really want for anything material it just becomes a game of making money just for the sake of ah oh, fuck it it's a bit of crack is i'm not done i'm retired yeah so my retirement is done my family's re if i disappear today my daughter and my wife are fine everything's sure. good checked out and when the markets run we'll buy the home of our absolute dreams cash down no problem right it's just a timing thing the way the markets are right now haven't lined up with the way that some of our investments played. Sure. But I've got I've got large sums of money all over the place. So I don't need I don't need to do anything in a sense. When so what's what's the motivation? Is it for fun? Is it for it's a oh it's in no it's what it said it's interest. I want to figure all these things out. And without realizing it I was and without realizing I was increasing my value for a long time, I always raced to the bottom. I always tried to be the guy that offered the lowest price, and I just drove a ton of business with that. And then I'd have to delegate. I'd get some co-op students. I'd get a bunch of people working for me, you know, doing hockey bags full of Xbox repairs, you know, all this silly stuff. I'm doing great, but, like, really just piss around, right? Not accomplishing things that would just making money, again, which is just wasting time often. Um and I realized that what you want to do is you want to race to the top. So, you know, you want to charge the maximum amount of value. You know, if you're a barber, you should be doing in-home haircuts for 5K. <laughs> and then you only got to do two, three haircuts a, a month. Right. And then you just got to focus on how to do that. I know that's like a really reductive way of thinking about it. Yeah, no, I just had an exact same conversation. I met a young entrepreneur today and we were chatting. It's just like the easiest way to make money is to... Serve rich, solve rich people's problems as opposed because to... Because their time is worth more money. Exactly. So they're, so they're happy to compensate you for that. <clears throat> right. And a lot of people don't even appreciate that. I didn't appreciate that. I thought things had a value, right? And I started to appreciate that when we were working with higher-end people. And and again, with the, with the computers, we were building computers and charging 15K, but people were building the same computers and charging the film industry 30K. Or the research industry, thirty just, for just the exact on a niche. same computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, niche. For just a different niche. Yeah. And it wasn't until we got invited to do like a, a personality appearance at SIGGRAPH. You know, they had us walk through and do a live stream and all the stupid shit. Where I was just like, Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> oh these are, we, we built we built six of these this week, Spencer. Oh my god. Right? Are we not charging enough? Oh. And so now, if we are going to talk to a mining operation and we're going to make a suggestion that's going to make them 34% more profit a year or allow them to be more effective, we, we try to weight those things as far as like improvements. Like how, how much financially can, can this advice change your situation? And it's different for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. 
totally is. Um, I want to, since you're, you're so tech savvy, which is like the opposite of, of, of me, <laughs> uh, I'd like to pick your brains a little bit, get into wallets and, and custody on that. Cause I've heard you chatting a little bit before and them, um, and you really know your stuff. Um, and, and, and this is going to be back to beginner stuff for you, which you're probably like, Hey, talking about, but like just for the benefit of our listeners and a lot of them aren't crypto native and they're just new to the space, but like why even use a hardware wallet? Why not just buy our crypto and leave it on any exchange? So, so yeah, so there's, 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 there's security is an onion and you can go as, as deep into the onion as you want. And most people don't want to talk about going more than a layer or two. And most people shouldn't, but recently we've had military and, and commercial level security techniques and best practices enter the consumer realm. What do I mean by that? tools that were previously used by the military and previously used by businesses as a standard, these dongles that people used to have to have on their keychains that would let them get access to buildings or let them log in. Um, these different devices that they had used to have to use to get access into those secure facilities, right? These techniques that were very sophisticated, fairly expensive systems required system operators to maintain them and different things. This has become kind of a standard open source thing with stuff like Google Authenticator and different tools. And so, you know, YubiKey is one of them, but you don't even need these physical things. I think that's kind of a relic in some senses. So, and, and it's it's funny because you do, like NVK is a good example of this. He's gotten a lot better in the, in the last few years. NVK makes the cold cards, which is one of the really good wallets I like to suggest to people that are Bitcoin only and kind of really hobbyist people who are looking to get deep into the rabbit hole you got to be a bit techy for a cold card yeah this is what I, yeah and that's the point and I, you know i'm sure anybody can manage it but no i completely agree with that sentiment it is it's very much a hobbyist a, te a techies kind of wet dream literally because they keep all the latest updates working so if you want to do the new functionality that the protocol lets you do a ton of it but for most people they're not always necessarily bitcoin only or they're they need something that's a little more fluffy user graphical interface based i like the ledger the nano ledger and um that's because it uses a secure element uh, the smt32 the chip that it uses is is something i physically can't hack into whereas like the trezors and a lot of the other wallets if i if you give me a trezor i can physically crack it crack that Without the right. password, you can get into a treasure. Oh, even with the password. So like you use different tools. You would use a breadboard or jumpers. We actually have a, a, a breakout board where you could take the chip off the treasure and you put it into the breadboard. And it's all kind of pre-wired. And you run that through an Arduino or a phone or a laptop. And basically you do a Python attack on it. So, okay, so let me finish. Uh, let me go back. The hardware wallets didn't exist for consumers. And for a long time, Spencer and I and everyone around us used to have to do really sketchy things. You know, they used to NVK, who's who's an expert in this subject, used to talk about doing things like buying a laptop from Best Buy, taking it home, syncing up to the Bitcoin blockchain for three days, which is what it would take. Turning your computer off, create or offline, creating a wallet, writing all that stuff down offline turning the computer back on, syncing it up with the chain. And then the private key was still exposed to RAM and the memory and that internet connection for that moment. But that was kind of like the best way to do it. And Spencer and I st still have a little tin box of all these pieces of paper that have these huge 
you know, uh, number and letter combinations that are essentially private keys, right? And these are where we were putting money and leaving it. And that was <laughs> every time you wanted to make a new wallet, you had to, you literally had to create a new piece of paper and write down a, far too many things. Um, and that whole process of generating the wallets was always something that was dangerous, right? A lot of people who generated wallets inside of web browsers, even though they put them on paper, the web browser, the website, the internet service provider, all those things could be their, their local Wi-Fi, their local box down the street if they're on coax, like cable connection, for example, all these things that could be compromised. Um, and literally yesterday, Apple patched another zero day that affects browsers that could literally do all of these horrible things to you. Exactly what I'm talking about. If you made a wallet in the ways I'm talking, the only way that we used to be able to do it, you would get fucked. That's it. So these hardware wallets, they let you make the wallets offline. They take a request into that chip. That chip has the code inside of it that, to do the Bitcoin network stuff. And, it, it, and then it kind of encrypts it and sends it back out. So all the private key stuff, all the really important stuff is done in an offline way, stays offline, cannot stress how different that is than every other way of holding cryptocurrency. What that takes, that puts the, the risk on you. The only way that you can get screwed once it's in a hardware wallet is if you are not a good keeper of those 24 words. So if you lose your 24 words or someone finds your 24 words or you give them to someone through like a phishing email or someone says they got pictures of you looking at porn or something and you're like, ah, and, and a lot or, or maybe you're like, you know, for a lot of years after my motorcycle accident, I would have been a good arbiter of words actively. I had certain dissonances, cognitive issues related to the, 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 the brain trauma. Right. So so I had my I have other people in my my system i've trusted kind of pillars that allow me to do that you know people i can lean on if i hit my head surfing on some coral and i need some money and i can call nana and Na nana not only knows how to where, where the words are the extra words she also has a kraken account we got that far we signed her up in exchange right i sent her a hundred bucks and she withdrew it to her bank account and listen we're we're if i need nana to wire me some money I've helped Nana do it. I know that I can trust Nana. Unless she's in the car with me, I'm good. Right? And that's mm. really important, that family planning stuff. But so a lot of the hardware wallets you can hack. The Trezor, for example, it's called a glitch attack. So the chips that are used in the Trezors aren't certified chips. They're not chips that are certified for security. The chips that the cold card, that the ledger use, these are the same types of chips that ATMs and debit machines use. These are like certified to not be ramp, buffer overflow attacks and different things. You can't do those, those on it. Uh, and they cost more money and you have to pay licenses or get access to that documentation to use these chips because they don't want people to have all the information about these secure elements or it makes them less secure in a sense. It's easier to figure out how to hack them. So it's all closed source documentation. So like you have to be like a real business to even order these things. You have to like actually request and reach out to companies and like talk it out before they'll even send the things to you or even the documents, right? And that's just like a bridge too far for a lot of these Mickey Mouse crypto companies. And it really is just like a step too far to like do it professionally. Um, so they just use the same kinds of chips that are in wireless dildos. <laughs> like literally, they're, they're the same chips that are in wireless dildos. 
I mean, I'm sure they're like readily available and inexpensive, and I'm glad. <laughs> but this is a this is a vault. This is a security device. So basically, with the Trezor, you basically turn the power on and off really quickly. So it's like flipping the light switch. You're basically flipping the light switch, and eventually, it turns on in a state where the security is a zero instead of a one. It's off instead of on. The security function, one of the bits, is just mm. flipped. Just from the glitching, okay, and that's just the nature of a flaw in this this type of chip, and it's a very common one, right? It's like hacking the Teslas with the flippers and stuff. These are known things that they just didn't protect against. Uh, and so, yeah, you asked about the password. Well, now you got a password, so you've got by doing that, eventually you get a whole copy of what's inside of that treasure. And and let me also say, the keep key. And a lot of the other devices that we've been asked as as uh, as software as white hat hackers to break open by these companies, they put Bitcoin in them and they ask us to open the wallet. When we hack open a lot of the, the software on these wallets, the most of the time it has the Treasure open source code inside of it. Like eight, nine out of ten wallets that we hack into are Treasures inside of them, even though they're not the Treasure company, because Treasures code is open source. Right. So these other companies just and there's like it says Treasure. All over the code inside these walls, <laughs> they don't even like find replace because <laughs> they're <laughs> afraid to break something. Sure. So it's just again Mickey Mouse shit, right? Um, yeah. And so now we got a copy of the of the file inside of that. Now it's just something called a dictionary attack. So in the case of the treasure, you would run a Python script that would run passwords at it. Zero 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 one zero zero one one zero one zero one, and it would just it goes through all those passwords, and it's it's just a factor of time. Yeah, and, and, and on average, fourteen minutes to crack a uh, a treasure pin code. That's the average amount of time it takes with a dictionary attack. Best time we've ever accomplished it in was like was like like eight minutes, like just just over eight minutes. But that would the password was like one one two two. So it was very early in the dictionary set. Sure, yeah. So we got lucky in a sense, but like I could literally jump jump your treasure. I could use a magnet or a belt sander to to hack your safe open, vibrate your safe open, or pull the solenoid on your safe. So just now I have your safe open. I got your treasure. I run out to the van. I put clippers on it for ten minutes, and I run back and put it in your safe. And take the magnet off, and you have no idea what happened. You're like you will never know. It's like in a hotel, right? Because the staff are the ones who put the hidden cameras in the hotels, and the staff can also override the safes. So they watch you put your pin code into your wallet, and they watch you put your your wallet, your hardware wallet, into the safe. You come back from the pool, and your entire life savings is gone. You've got no idea how it happened, right? Crazy. So again, you have to be an arbiter of this stuff. You have you are the bank now. So the the first problem is leaving it in someone else's possession, right? The biggest change of Bitcoin is that you can be self-sovereign. When you see people fleeing countries of conflict with like their bedpost on their back, because that's the only thing they can think of a value to like take with them. <laughs> you know, we laugh, but it's fucking horrible. You see it all the time. These people are crossing rivers and they're getting beat up on both sides of that river by border security and having their assets taken from them. And these are some people's reality. And imagine looking around your home with your family right now and being like, what can we carry? What are we going to carry? What are we carrying right now? You've got five minutes. The military's 
10 blocks away and they're killing everybody. So everybody grab what you can carry and go, right? Imagine that. That's such a, but that's a real scenario. Or like the other one I mentioned is like, imagine you're in an abusive relationship where you're being forceful, forcefully under the threat of abuse uh, to, made to unlock your bank accounts. Made So you can't accumulate cash. You can't, you can't do things to get you out of that situation. You're financially, you're financially burdened by that abuse, right? Or if you live in a group home, for example, with 12 other young men, imagine trying to like own things around 12 other young men in a group home <laughs> or a homeless shelter, right? Shit is getting stolen constantly. So how are you, how are you going to get away from these problems of, of, of having value and having assets that you can keep with you in a secure way. Well, Bitcoin, literally, people flee these regions of conflict and remember 12 words. There's a guy in prison in the U.S. right now who's got the better part of $4 million, and he's doing interviews all the time, laughing about his brain wallet, because he's been arrested for all this illegal business, mm. but they can't get the Bitcoin. And so he's going to do his four years in jail, he's going to get out, and he's going to go fucking spend all his Bitcoin. And he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, not, he's talking about in interviews. He's like, they can't get the Bitcoin. That's it's class. up here, man. It's in the words. There, there he's, was... just some, he's just some drug dealing loser, right? Some Mickey Mouse guy. His nephew taught him about Bitcoin like a couple years before everybody else. And he thinks he's clever. But And he is, in a sense, because he's going to get out of jail. And he's still going to have all his Bitcoin. There's, right? a sto there's a story like that, man. I read it in the papers here in Ireland and it was this guy who was like small time drug dealer, but then he got caught like flying a plane and they're like, where, where the fuck did you get the plane from? But what he was doing with his profit was he was just dumping it into Bitcoin. So he obviously done really, really well, but then they came and they raided his house and uh, they found the hardware wallets. Okay. But they couldn't find any passwords. And he went to jail and he's very remorseful, like really remorseful. Like, you know, if he understands Bitcoin, he probably has a way of recovering that and he's like really sorry for his crimes and he's doing his short sentence and i'm just like just that man's gonna live when he gets out of prison like <laughs> he'll have another plane but this is the thing to keep in mind too okay these people are going to be haunted by those choices forever online activity i've been making this joke since like 2014 i've been joking that <clears throat> students at stanford are going to spend their weekends trying to figure out which one of their professors, you know, 10, 20 years from now, they're going to spend their weekends trying to figure out which one of their professors was buying weird porn or drugs on the dark net, like back in the, you know, early 2000s. Because because all of it is there. All the metadata, the internet service providers, the mass surveillance net, all the user agent stuff that comes from all the ad and all the cookies and things, all that stuff persist and has persisted what we don't have is a database that puts all that stuff together yet and oracle one of the largest software development companies here are you from there with oracle i'm sure yeah. they're they've been basically making the george orwell machine as far as i'm concerned they've got access to like all the databases now and they're aggregating that information and they're allowing like police officers and standard individuals investigators to like get access to that information insurance providers all sorts of stuff it's like it's like the Orwell machine. It's like, do we pay this person out? Here's 17 ways you don't have to. <laughs> right? And it's all like personal information and inferring. Like it's a private Facebook account, but now they've got photos of you smoking cigars in Cuba from your buddy's Facebook that was deleted eight years ago. He literally deleted his account. And and but like it's it's here. Oh, we got that as a service from 
the or from from Oracle. Yeah, no, that's that's it's a commercial investigative service. That's standard. We we've used this in court before, guys. Come on, we lobbied for this. It's okay. <laughs> so this is like here now. So what I'm saying is, Spencer and I, we avoid crime. We understand, and we don't promote anything. I don't use affiliate links. Uh, I've had people offer me as much as ten bitcoins to review hardware equipment, like like uh, like ASICs, different types of mining equipment or different services, every day. And you want me to wear a watch? If you guys are listening, I'll wear a watch. You can buy. You can send me two nice gold watches, his and hers, for my wife and I, and I'll wear them on Instagram when I travel and make it look nice. Sure. But I'm not going to promote any services because look at all these people that promoted BlockFi and Celsius, and look at what's happened to their reputations now. Right? You're, you're, what you're doing is, and when you're, it's, it's the same as sovereignty. When you're leaving your Bitcoin in other people's possession, when you're buying stocks related to cryptocurrency, when you're doing venture capital-like behavior, like you're buying ICOs and investing early and stuff, and all the stupid shit that most people don't have enough money. Or have enough sense to do anything with all this? All this, they, they, literally, they have they have accredited investors for reasons, guys. Like I get it, you want to like get in, but like maybe like those are consumer protections that were in place with more thoughtfulness than you're appreciating, right? Uh, when you're leaving it in a business, when you're putting your reputation with a business. When you're buying stocks in Bitcoin related to a business, you're introducing a business risk into the soundest investment you've ever had. You don't need to. Just fucking buy the thing and put it in a wallet and let it make you 168% CAGR annually on a year over average. Right? Like, just let it grow over time. This, these stupid people, they, they buy stable coins and they stake it for 46% or 15%. It's a depreciating asset they're they're putting their money into. The US dollar is worth less every single day. And and they're making a small percent. They're not making a 168% return on a sound investment every year. They're making 46% on a depreciating, right? But they feel like it's doing work. Because we've always had to try and keep up with the, the inflation, right? As human beings, we've always had to put our money to work if we wanted to stay ahead. We're, we're, just... we're, we're encouraged to, like, part of it, it's almost too easy. You know, and people can't get their head around. It's like, no, I need to meddle. I need to outperform. I can't, I, I can't just be able to just have an allocation. I need to be diversified. I need to own the stock, Coinbase stock. Like, why would you do that? That just makes no sense to me. You know, instead of just owning Bitcoin and having zero counterparty risk and have nothing to do. Well, it's the hedge. Everyone talks about Bitcoin. Like, Fidelity said it themselves in the report. It's the hedge against the US dollar. This is how you exit the system. So why would you use the things that's the exit hatch in a way that, like, so you're gonna put an exit hatch in the bank so you can get into the bank when you want. Like I don't understand. I what we're supposed to leave those systems, not create circles back to them, tunnels back to them. And this and and that's what really scares me about consensus. Like it's fine that people are doing ordinals and like you know my business partner said if uh, Spencer Crypto Landrock on Twitter, he said uh, if if ordinals can kill Bitcoin, then Bitcoin was never alive. 
And I think that there's a lot of sense to that. Everyone's getting really freaked out about NFTs on Bitcoin. And some people are spending huge amounts of money. Some people are obviously wash trading and laundering. Like, it's all very obvious. And we we followed all that stuff on the NFT, Ethereum, Solana, all that other garbage. And we could we, we were able to prove that, like, two people made up, like, 78% of liquidity. And, like, another handful of six people made up, like, the remaining liquidity. That's like that's like where all of the like that's where eighty four percent of the money in NFTs on Ethereum came from. It's like two guys who were early investors in the Genesis block, and people are like, "This is a thing." And like point zero two percent of wallets interfaced with NFTs, huh? It's a thing, is it? I don't, I don't think it is, and I don't think this ordinal thing is going to be a thing either, right? People are really obsessed, and we've been trying to put viruses on there, malware. Uh, we've been putting image image elements, images with elements in them that ask for web camera get media permissions, and we've been putting WebP images in there with like JavaScript buffer overflow attacks inside of the dot informations, the xfill dot 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 info information. So, and like the or the the things where people are looking at these NFTs should be sanitizing that. Now here's here's the here's the thing. We could just as well load up one of these like MetaMask wallet malwares into it so that anyone that looks at Ordinal that Oza has MetaMask and sees our NFT, it just like sweeps their Ethereum dot main and steals all of their tokens. Just It'll just dump their Ethereum wallet. Like that's still a thing, right? We're not doing that. We're doing funny shit. Like it, you're looking at a picture and all of a sudden it asks you for your web camera permission. It's going to make you think twice. Hmm. It doesn't go anywhere. It's not like we're not, there's no, it's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pictures, pictures on Bitcoin. It's kind of stupid, isn't it? Looking at these, this is like a whole, what you're doing is you're increasing complexity. And when you increase complexity with something as simple as sound money, th there is more area for, for attacks and that's what we're trying to highlight through like the white hat mentality like we were very open about this the very first twitter space they had we walked in and we're like this is what i'm doing and how i'm doing it right now i told the ordinals guy I told the guy who's doing the browser told the guy who's doing the wall i'm like this i'm doing it right now guys and everyone giggled i'm like no you know i'm doing it i'm putting viruses on your shit <laughs> attention <laughs> Right, like this is stupid. Go, go sanitize your information. There's also like no sanitization for people if they're putting pictures up there that they've taken on their phones or different things on their web cameras. It's got all the geo data, all the metadata still in these photos. So people are sharing photos of like their kids or their family or their their profile pictures, and it's like showing me where their office or their house is. And like it's like two lines of code to stop that on the website. So you know we just make a whole little like ponage list where. There's a bunch of like partial information to scare the shit out of everybody. And either the either the consumers or the website developers like, ah, I should fix this. Right? Here's the leaderboard of people who've been pwned. Right? The sheep wall. Sanitize your data. Come on, guys. And it's just there's so much of this stuff is just Mickey Mouse. It's bleeding edge, but a lot of it is the problem is most of the stuff is copy paste. A lot of these projects, a lot of these developers, uh, they just they forked the code of another project, right? They're like taking Bitcoin's code and like throwing a bunch of shitty stuff on it and then forking it in a sense or running their own version of it and getting people to interact with that version to kind of patch their nodes with that stuff. It's all, it's all very Mickey Mouse. Yeah, if I can ask you a little bit, okay? Because you're so techy, 
and you sound like you're you're very i don't know bitcoin only or, or definitely bitcoin mainly like where do you sit on that and and if so with your tech background what don't you like about everything else that's happening uh so yeah there's only like maybe like two or three coins that we've held for any amount of time inside the business and that's for business reasons those were things that we generated inside the business we didn't want to incur those taxable events um but i really only think like bitcoin and ethereum and ethereum and then maybe some cbdc's will be things and i think that like bitcoin will really only be the sound store of value and i think it will win with the proof of work and the security over time but i think ethereum is kind of like the theme park to do all the stupid stuff and i don't think that's going away either what i don't like about ethereum as the second best because that's what it is and there's more developers working on ethereum stuff than there is bitcoin stuff that's a like by a long shot by many times over i we can like discuss the handful of bitcoin core developers that are forward facing and we can laugh about how luke lost his bitcoin and shit recently right like like and like you could find a room of that many people on any one of these projects based on top of ethereum right and it's these basement savants that aren't worried about sound money, that aren't worried about money, these these kind of autists, right? These basement savants, they're just like trying to solve technical problems in like really savanty basement numbery ways, and they like to get in these arguments, and th it's really it's beautiful. I love these are my people. I kept going back to school. I've kind of gotten really good at being the guy in the middle. And so I try, I can speak law to the lawyers. I can speak web dev to the, the website guy. I can speak, I can speak programming to the programmers. I'm like, I'm not proficient in that Spencer codes much faster than I, with much less syntax error. He can do it without a monitor for Christ's sakes. He's a goddamn, he's a goddamn savant, right? So I let him do all, we used to break drivers on the computers, right? And you could never get an interface on them. And he would just like, Stevie Wonder that shit. And I just I could never believe it. I could I couldn't have ever fixed those drivers manually through command line without a monitor. Couldn't have done it. He he did it all the time. Right. So I've so I love these people. We we go to the hacker conferences, DEF CON and Black Hat and all these things for many years. And and those are the people I love. These these people that don't fit in with corporate environments. You know what I mean? And that's bitcoins and that's the space's super weapons. All these venture capitalists, all the, the money market guys, all this stuff is gross. It's not technology. You know, I was I'm a Cisco engineer. I was around when the Internet was developing. Like we had the first we had serial networks. We had a we had like a it was like a eighty five hundred dollar cable that was like a printer cable that goes into the printers, the old ones. And it plugged in like 15 different computers. It was just like, it was like a 900 foot cable. <laughs> and we, we used to call the serial parallel port numbers of each computer so we could play Doom at my dad's office. I think before anybody was playing Doom, it was like 10 people like that, right? right? We had my Commodore set up to play people in California, for Christ's sakes, like over the internet. The second player could be on the internet. That's not super, super nerdy shit. It was amazing. Right. I was lucky to be around people like that. But it, it Bitcoin, it's getting less like that. Consensus is changing. Right. Like I think adoption in the future looks more like going to your bank manager 
or your bank, your your account manager, and like putting Bitcoin in your portfolio at the bank. You know what I mean? Like really low level, like non custodial stuff, and it's really unfortunate to see. Um, and backed in a bunch of these companies were trying to be like the gatekeepers of a lot of that stuff, and they wanted to just do everything offline, just internally. Oh yeah, you got ten Bitcoins, and again, that just removes the whole integrity. When we start using these tokens, we see what happened with Almeida and FTX and all these guys. They they very quickly, as the Greek bankers taught us with the IOUs, you know, when you have the ability to make an IOU, you start making more than you should, right? Very quickly, you start handing out more pieces of paper for gold you don't have in this, the vault because it's very convenient. It allows you opportunity and leverage and you're doing good. Maybe like maybe you're donating to politicians, you know? Maybe you're donating to charity like Sam was. He could justify all this degenerate behavior by all the things he's doing in his mind, right? Oh, no, I'm, I'm a good guy, right? But everything's just getting diluted to literally nothing, right? Being stolen, being taken away, being exploited, being circular. And we used to do this stuff. We turned, we turned, we did something called MEV. I'm getting into a different topic, but yeah, consensus is getting gross. I think... Bitcoin is made up of consensus. And there's a lot more people that like pictures on Bitcoin this time than there was in 2013, 2015, and 2016 when this happened before. The rare Pepe's and we, we were using PGP keys, right? You you put a PGP key in there and whoever owned that key, the private key to that would have that. And there's like, right? Like there's all these things. Pictures on Bitcoin are not a new thing. But nobody gave a shit before. And it's kind of gross to see a lot of people caring about it now. And I gross, I mean spending like half a Bitcoin <clears throat> putting pictures up. That's going to feel pretty stupid 20 years from now when you realize how much that half a Bitcoin was worth. And consensus is getting more and more like the, oh, I'm going to yield my Bitcoin or I'm going to leave my Bitcoin in a vault or uh, because I have a board, I have rules, I can't hold it in possession. We can't do a multi-state. So I've got to get a custodial third party to do it. All this other shit. Right. And that's gross. I hate adoption is making Bitcoin grosser all the time. It's getting better. Privacy tools, taproot and all those things are awesome. But it's also getting more normy, less cypherpunky, less like screw the government. It's not about that escape hatch for everybody. For a lot of people, it's just a speculative investment. For, for the Bitcoin is is best. Ah, Bitcoin's great for everybody. And if you can make yourself a lot of money with Bitcoin, I'm happy for you. But Bitcoin is best when you're that abused woman who, who can't have money and get out of that relationship. Or when you're crossing that river. So you don't have to carry your bedpost on that on your back and worry about getting beat up by the border security. Like that, those are the people uh, when you're sending money back to your family in the Philippines, right? And not and not paying prohibitively ridiculous amounts of money for these escrow services. When you know when you're talking like small amounts of money, two hundred and fifty dollars or less, it's like it's like over forty percent a lot of time in these countries. It's all fucked. It's horrible, right? That's when Bitcoin's its best. When you right. die and your family has access to your wealth without all the bullshit that goes along <clears> with that, heaven. And I pray that's what these guys are going to do wrong. The guys in jail. If you're not paying taxes and if you're not accounting for all those losses and depreciating things and building up your invested interest in the space, when you do sell or when you do buy a home or start buying nice cars, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. You have to be able to account for those things for the sake of your family. 
optionality is the key word there. By doing Bitcoin as a business and keeping those records, you have the ability to submit them or not. That's your choice. But if all of a sudden it's an option that looks better than the other option later, because now you want to buy a home and a boat and 10 jet skis and take up fighter pilots on the weekend for fun, you know, like you're not going to get away with that. You can't just pull it out of your ass. They're not going <laughs> to let you go. You are not going to get away with that. That is the wrong way to do this. Just like if you're doing crime. So Spencer and I, we help people recover wallets. We charge 25% flat if we have to physically take possession of it. Other to, otherwise, we just consult over the phone a lot of times and help. If we were to take more than that, you could see that on chain. Like the cops that stole millions of dollars from the Silk Road investigation, the two FBI agents, they're in jail for like a fuck long time. I think they got double life sentences or something. They stole millions of dollars. And it, how'd they get caught? Because it's on chain, because it's a public ledger. Uh, why don't we put our names out with this affiliate marketing or talking about these companies? Because that sticks with the space. We're on the internet. The shit doesn't go away. These videos, people clip these videos. All these people that were promoting all these stupid things that blew up, there's highlight reels all over the internet of them going, oh, buy BlockFi, buy Celsius. You know, I, as a trusted investor, trust in the stupid retard. Right? And it's horrible. And they will never have clips like that of Spencer. 30 years from now, we can laugh at all those people on stage. And that is worth more than any amount of money some company or business can offer me right now. That's what people, they, they don't appreciate their reputation as much as they appreciate their Bitcoin. They're willing to sell themselves out in the short term. It's that crackhead mentality, the next five minutes instead of the next 15 years. And and right now it looks like a good choice to like be the guy that's always talking about the thing and getting paid for it. Yeah, that's our sort of world though, isn't it? It's like get the money while you can because you know the world's not set up for deferred gratification. The world's not set up for hard work. It's like find the easy way, find a shortcut. When it blows up in your face, go look for another one and just spend your life doing that and you know achieve nothing. You know, and it's few and far between people who are actually understand the fair gratification, understand what I call it proof of work. Like I think proof of work is relevant in, in all aspects of our life, like not just Bitcoin. It's one of the things that resonated with me with Bitcoin. Uh because you know, from me rehabilitating myself and breaking my back, it was only through proof of doing all the shitty exercises, fucking going through pain for years without ever seeing a result like, but just knowing that, you know, if I don't do anything and I cry about it, nothing's going to change. I've got to just keep doing this shit. And yeah, it is shit. But like, that's why proof of work is so important, I think. And there's, it's actually, it's actually a marketing hack. Like people don't appreciate it. I have never spent, we do like, three baby swaddle blankets like again i have all sorts of these things on the go you know i advertise free baby blankets for new mothers on facebook and maybe maybe you'll think this is funny or maybe you won't but it's it's free and it's if you're qualified and you just have to enter a credit card to get qualified it's a shopify website so you're entering your credit card to shopify it's like account creation gets you qualified and everybody gets qualified everybody gets a free swaddle blanket and you just have to pay shipping and we'll land that swaddle blanket anywhere like in like 36 different countries for like, I don't know. It's like, I think like at most like seven, eight bucks in shipping. But it only cost me like $2 and 30 something cents depending on that week. Changes a little bit, but so I'm making like five bucks every time someone gets a free swaddle blanket. Mm. Right. And that's just like a, a funnel. That's just like a joke. And once you figure that out, it's funny. 
But you also don't want to be the drop shipping guy, right? So I let I got like three or four of those that are like funny that I refer to that we're still doing. But you know, it's just I don't know, man. This the there's 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 too many quick ways to make money that don't hurt people. You know, like that don't hurt integrity. Sure. Right. We've never we've never had any ads for anything we do. I just share videos, live streams of us doing stuff. We share videos of us doing stuff. I used to do videos doing all the repairs when I had the repair shop. I literally showed you how to do all the same shit I was doing. And like 90 something percent of people, the conversion rate is huge. We'll get like five minutes into the video and be like, oh, I got to buy a heat gun or I got to buy a Nope. Okay. I'm out. Send it to Alex. Yeah. And for for like 11, 12 years later, I had people calling me from like videos on YouTube where I showed them how to fix Xbox 360s. They were calling me to send me their Xboxes. They were like finding my new phone number. <laughs> right. Like, and I, so we, we never have ever in cryptocurrency, we've never in Bitcoin, we've never done a single ad. We just do proof of work. We just share what we're doing while we're doing it. We give all the, I, I leak alpha. It's a big problem of mine. I just give all the secrets away, but it works for us. It keeps us busy and, and it's an open book. And, you know, most people that get help from us get, keep getting help from us. And that's a good sign. Yeah. Uh, giving, giving away uh, free stuff from people, you know, would always be say that to me, like, Dini, you, you give away everything. Like, do you not hold stuff back? Do you not put stuff behind a paywall? I'm like, but like, that's not why people buy all the information's on the internet. People buy because one, they don't trust themselves and they trust you because you've built the trust or they want to be part of a community. They don't want to do it on their own or they want accountability. And that's because the information is there and the information is free and the information isn't what people are lacking. I think it's, it's, it's more the human factor, you know, which you can leverage by giving it away for free. And instead of paying for ads, you, you, you just literally, you, your content is your ad and that's building relationships. And I know from the work I'm doing, even on this podcast, I'm like, I've done enough work already on the podcast with the amount of episodes, like as Bitcoin continues to monetize and people don't know what the hell they're doing and they invested some small money in and now it's big money and they've never moved it before in a hardware wallet. And they're like, shit, like it was okay. I put 500 quid in, but now 50 K here and I'm trying to move it. I'm going to Dinny's office, like I'm booking in a consultation because that lad's been talking about it for the last two years, three years, how long, whatever length of time they've been tuned into me. You know, so you've built up, you've already done the work to future-proof yourself is how I see it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And you're building up that office or that audience rather, you're building up that integrity, right? You're putting yourself out there as an expert. You're being known for that. Um, I don't, I, I don't open my business emails ever, which is really bad, like ever, ever. And I, every once in a while I open up LinkedIn and there's just like 1500 hours of like consulting just waiting for me there. Like someone in Zambia, some government project needs like some advice. Okay. Shoot me 500 bucks of Bitcoin. Let's get on the phone. Let's do this guys. Let's fix this. I, that's horrible thing. You've been, you're reading all these marketing misconceptions. We can get to a sound business idea, right? We can get through all this bullshit because most of the time there is good business ideas. If you get through all the crap, right? Just a lot of people can't handle the process of like letting go of some of the things they were invested in in relation to that. Look, I really want to make them all myself. Yeah, that's a really stupid idea. That's that's like a slow living hell. Like, oh, you want to be the you you want to be at a restaurant fourteen hours a day? That sounds like fun. Oh, 
Okay, yeah, you want to be a professional babysitter for teenagers. Let's let's talk about this. Let's work through this. Like, right? Maybe we get a coffee hot dog stand, guys. What do you think? Let's come on. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, folks. Right? Cause shit, I'll I'll get a car. I'll buy you. I'll we'll go get an e bike. We'll put a box on there. And we'll ride around town selling coffee. Shit, you'll make two hundred k a year, and then we'll franchise that out. And you know what you can do? You can park the bike in your garage when you got other shit to do. You know, like just choices. Choices are important. There's so many ways to make money. Doing it illegally or doing it where you have to be somewhere physically nine to five or any amount of time, it just screws all the other opportunity in your life. All those chances you would have had to chase those other opportunities down to see those things, to interact with those people, you know, to be in those places, making those connections. You just don't have time for it. Mm, right. It, yeah. I, I find the, the, uh, the creativity scales once you break out and you, you know, you become an entrepreneur and then it's like ideas come to you. I never, sh I always have too much ideas than time or too much ideas than want to do them because I've got a lot of hobbies as well. But like, once you get out and you start making money and start solving problems, you just realize, you know, you could be going about your day, going to get a coffee and you just like, it was like, there's a fucking business in solving this little tiny problem. And then you forget about that. And then you're in some other thing that's not your area. And you just see a problem. You're like, there's a business. Yeah. That business could probably do 50 grand a year. Handy. I could set that up, you know, and it's just like, there's too Probably much to the same way. Yeah. Right. Cause you're seeing all these hustlers in front of your face, everywhere you go. You're like, Holy shit. That's genius. Hmm. And like people here have never thought about it. And, and a lot of those guys, like, I don't know if you experience them, like the lucky, lucky man. I'm like, if they were selling something that was of value, they would be rich because, you know, most people with sales, they take a rejection and it ruins them. But these guys are just getting told, go away, go away. Like what? 2000 times a day. And they still sell their 20 euros worth of product. Like in the day, they just get it done, get those sunglasses sold. I'm like, if they, them guys could just monetize something a little bit more value and uh, leverage it over the internet, these guys would crush it. Like, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, yeah, I completely agree. But hang, having done a lot of traveling and having business partners, doing markets and things with different people from Turkey and around the world, did all the Christmas markets and things here, the trade shows, the fairs, a bunch of stuff. Um, I actually learned that kind of in the way that I approach work, a lot of those rug salesmen and guys, they approach it the same way. A lot of these guys, they've got their family homes. They're kind of set up. I mean, they've got the store in downtown Istanbul or something that they own, right? Like, they're kind of good. So most of the day, it's like joking around with the Australian and the Canadian tourists and, you know, shooting the shit with the Irish guys and getting everyone amped up. We were harassing one of these guys, for example, harassing him about a $40 rug, a 40 lira rug. God, it's like 16 bucks or something. Just stupid, right? A really nice rug, but just a little one. And we were just like having fun. He was having fun. We were teasing each other. He's going through the book and he's showing me all the different prices that people have paid for the same rug because he appreciates that we're entrepreneurs and mm. all that. We get the vibe. We're becoming comrades, you know, in a sense. Go get him a chicken sandwich or something. Come back, tease him a little more. Um, and he's like, no, no, look, he's explaining. I, I sell this, the rug, it's different prices for everybody all day, right? And he's showing it. And he's like, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you, if you sit and watch me sell the rug, then I'll sell you the rug for your price, right? And 20 lira is what we bought the rug for. I don't think it was a 20 lira rug. I think it was definitely, 
I think we definitely, I think he definitely lost out. Honestly, I don't, I couldn't imagine he got that rug for anything less than that. But, but it was like 40 to 80, you know? And of course he's like, okay, guys, go sit down and watch, watch, watch. And he sits, we all sit across the street and we're sitting there giggling, you know? And a Japanese tour bus goes by, like the tour goes by. And he turns around and sells one of the same rug to a guy for 2,000 lira. And he's <laughs> winking at us the whole time and giggling. And he's like, you know, and he comes over and he goes, okay, he paid for your rug. You can have a rug, 20 lira. Right. And, right. And so we don't always appreciate the stuff at face value. But, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll look at the Greek islands as another example. They work hard for like four months a year. And then they sit around and drink and like bang divorcees on their sailboats for the rest of the year. Like, what a beautiful life. Like, for four months, there's a tourist rush. And mm. then the rest of the year, they are just literally full-time enjoying life. Like, that is what they're doing. They're waking up and being like, how am I going to enjoy today? You know? And there is something very different about that than North American culture. You know, here here where I grew up in Canada, it's very hustle and bustle, always checking in, very invested with the process, mm. less invested with the idea. And that's the idea needing to work your Bitcoin. You can, if you've you can, done your you, research and you think it's a good idea and you trust in yourself, then you just buy the Bitcoin and you forget about it. And that's very like, when, when I'm in Thailand and stuff, I get that vibe. People are very much in like, I've made my decision and my decision's going to go. And it's either going to work or not, right? You can be as freaked out as you want on a bus in Peru while he's passing other buses in mountain corners. But being freaked out or not isn't going to change if the bus gets in an accident or not. Being scared on the airplane isn't going to crash the airplane, right? You just yeah. need to, like, allow the processes to happen. And Bitcoin is literally the same thing. You just need to trust in your gut, trust in your knowledge that you've made a good decision and leave it. And just, just allow allow what you think it's going to do to happen you don't need to keep checking it it's, that's the part that, that screws everybody up yeah then you get emotionally attached and i get what you're saying about the you know the the swept in to do more 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 and that's why i asked you earlier about the game like one of the uh, i suppose selective hearing i remember steve jobs saying before like you know when he was dying he was like the biggest mistake i ever had is when i'd earned enough money that i continued to work and i'm like well i am making that mistake because you know, I think we can get caught in the machine of always doing more, always building bigger businesses. And I was in that and it was only around COVID I pivoted and went, you know what? I'm good. Like pretty much like yourself. Why, do, why am I working so hard? Why am I not doing less? So now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, and it's almost like you feel guilty saying it, but like, I'm like, I fuck around a lot of the time. Like, and I think, <laughs> I think, but I, but I busted my ass to get myself in this position and I'm not going to be a Steve Jobs and keep building businesses and having more staff and having more headaches and having more stress. I'm like, screw that. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to run a podcast that's not even monetized. I'm going to run a Bitcoin business. I'm going to, you know, have my other little ventures, but I'm not getting into that rat race where I've loads of staff, loads of overheads because I don't need any of that shit anymore. And ultimately, like, who's, who's game are you chasing there? Just that's society. You think you're meant to do that, but really gonna be fucking dead soon man like enjoy it you know what i mean like once you have enough money just get after it and have the crack and you're just putting yourselves in more of those systems right it's all that yellow tape and red tape some dork with the clipboard shows up and shuts you down yeah you know? oh nope check i checked six things here now you're not allowed 
like you know and all that stuff so like that's what's so great about the bitcoin stuff and the consulting that we do the bitcoin mining i don't even go to the warehouses anymore spencer doesn't let me we used to fight for years i used to try and get him to do post every day you know social media <laughs> finally we we're just like i'll be the sales guy i'll be the ceo you be the guy who go fi fixes the computers and it's not that we both can't do it hmm. he certainly can uh, and i certainly can it's just that he's better at it right and when we got into that groove a lot of this is just on autopilot for me now. I, I, one of the things I like to hold very important, I like to have this ability to professionally say, fuck off in, in any situation. I do not want to be in a situation with finances or business where I can't tell everyone in the room to fuck off and it, it, it impacts my ability to be secure later. So I, I avoid certain types of things. And I set up certain kinds of expectations. A lot of the people that we consult with, we become very specialized in a lot of different areas. So I, if you want to get our attention, you have to stay on top of us. And we're not ignoring you. We're not, it's not, a, it's not that. I have a 17-month-old daughter, right? Like I have other priorities. But, but if you're willing to pay for my time, I will sit down and hold your hand and work through everything to the best of my ability when, it's, when I'm available. And with that understanding that I, I often will just be like, ah, guess I'm going for a bike ride. And I, it's fucking horrible for other people. But that's the only reason I'm still working hmm. is because it's such a joke. Like, it's just, it's fun. I only, I only, I, we're talking about hardware wallets. I talk maybe a dozen times a week at least with people about hardware wallets. Like as one-on-one -on -one white gloving, like celebrities, musicians and stuff you guys would know, crazy people. But I like that. I feel good spending my time helping people understand best practices. That's the stuff I get off on. It's like the security and the hacking and, and all of those things. So how can we do that? And, and, the, and just the side benefit to all of this, by staying in this space, every round, everyone around me is getting wealthy. Anyone who comes with me has gotten really wealthy. And so we're all going to borrow each other's cigarette boats and stay at each other's villas and borrow each other's age twos when we're on vacation. Like, no, but like, it's the tides rise for all of us, right? And we're all kind of on that ship together. Um, but the second I get bored of this stuff, like Spencer and I are like, we're just like pivoting away from the mining stuff. We still have all these operations. We're still We're still maintaining multiple sites and we're still managing a bunch of sites for people but we're we're now getting into like a development cycle we want to do coding we want to like work on some of these different things on top of bitcoin we're going to go through teaching ourselves all these new languages gscript and all this stuff that's come out with these upgrades and 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 you know i i i want like i like if i'm in that like three to five million dollars of like liquid invested money money that i can use for my family to live off of it was it was supposed to be one it was always 1.2 mil and that's when i was going to have my daughter and i got there and i just you know there's always reasons to want more and so i got that in the bank and i still wasn't ready to have my daughter there was that inflation was coming and things were so i was like ah 1.2 is it's not you can't pay a mortgage on 1.2 million dollars of interest a year you can't do that anymore the houses here are like $8000 a month mortgages it's not enough money. Mm. It was. It was. When I first yeah. set that goal, right? <laughs> and every time I get to my goal, it's not enough for my goals. And that's also a problem with me. So I treat work very casually and I have very clear goals. My next goal is buying a home cash. 
And I could do that right now, but it would be really stupid to divest all of that in interest and just sink it into a home. So in the next year or two, I'm hoping to put, you know, another million and a half, two million away through some of these different software size, this, in, this intellectual property stuff. Um, and hopefully just just remove that concern from my life. Just buy, just buy a beautiful $2.5 million home in one of the best neighborhoods as far as schools and convenience and like being able to walk and do all the things like we do now, right? My, our lifestyle is so great here in Vancouver. I can walk and get everything. We don't have to drive anywhere unless we want to. Um, and crime rate and all those things are important. And the, the schools, I never gave a shit about that stuff. And now like that's so important, right? All that stuff. My wife runs a nonprofit, so like getting her closer to her job, which she cares very much about. Whereas I could give a shit less about work, right? I'm ready to throw it out the window any day and take a week off. Whereas she's very like it's those things are very important to her, and the kids that she helps are very important to her, and like you know, and so that's getting making all those things easier for her. I can't wait till I can write her a million dollar check and say here, here, here's for your charity. Go go fix some kids or, you know, go encourage the arts. Go fix some school programs. Go make things better for people, you know, because that's really all it is. But the, the thing most people dick around with is they focus on they focus on really small ways of helping. You know what I mean? Like, I'll give you a really good example. During during COVID, I was printing the mask savers. And the face shields, 3D printer. I got a 3D printer here, and we got one at the office. And I was printing at a charity, a charitable. I was printing all these things, and I was giving them out to all the nurses, and I was giving bags of stuff to all the people at the different stores, frontline work, anyone I could get. People were coming and grabbing bags of these things for the hospitals, and you know, I put a box of 200 of them together. Super cool. And we were, like, sanitizing them properly so that the stuff, right, whole thing, labs, like, like, you know, a couple of Rubbermaid bins, light, whatever. But then I started selling these Supreme Oreo cookies. Supreme is one of these companies I made a lot of money from. It's a skateboard company. And they sell clothing and different things. And they sold Oreos with the little logo on them, real Oreos. It was like a big deal. And so I, I mocked up an Oreo cookie keychain that looked like the real ones. That And I 3D printed them, and we gave all the money away, in a sense, in, to frontline workers. And so I spent all my time now printing keychains on my 3D printer. And that was able to make me, I had the ability to pay eight other people to 3D print face shields with the profit that that was bringing in. I was buying filament and paying hourly to, to eight other people in the city. And so this guy, all the stores were shut down. And this guy, Mr. Lee, who owns Lee Electronics, was driving around town, leaving garbage bags of filament at the backs of these people's houses for me. So that people could, so I could feel like I was making an impact, you know, as fucked up as that. Right. But again, it's that small. It's being small. When I, when I promoted videos about acts of kindness, that had a much bigger impact than just that person I helped that day. And that, that changed that person's life. But like all these other people that are inspired by those things, it's very important. Right. So I, it's, yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny it's a funny system in that way. It's funny the way it all works out. Mm. Um, 
I suppose you mentioned it there, and since we have since we have you on, um, best practices with hardware wallets. Could you give us your 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 lowdown on that? Uh, so so you either screw yourself or you get screwed. So I think the the most so first off, understanding private keys, right? Like a lot of people, like I saw Bitcoin Gandalf recently gave away his Nostradamus noster private key for that twitter alternative app he was mm -hmm. posting his private key on twitter instead of his public key <laughs> so a bunch of people started posting shit as him and this is like a bitcoin guru guys these these are your heroes and even they are screwing up private key management right like that's how easy it is to screw up this stuff that's why these hardware wallets are just so much better because it doesn't really let you do stupid shit like that um so so first off i would understand it Understand that those 24 words represent your master password, that the coins aren't in the stick. The coins are in the blockchain. But the 24 words is how you sign ownership. You can put the coins in the blockchain, but if you want to move the coins in the blockchain, then you got to have the signature to move them, and that's your 24 words. So, so, so appreciating how it actually works. Uh, second, then, would be having redundancy, having a second copy of those words in a separate geographical location. Um, so that would be, uh, let's say like you were in California where those fires were going on and you weren't allowed back into your home for eight months, right? They physically blocked off those regions. You just weren't allowed. If you tried to go home, you'd get arrested, put in jail. Um, so having access to your wealth in a second location, geographically separated is a big option. And of course, this is everyone's situation is different. Maybe that's hiding one in the picture frame and, and one in the safe. Maybe that's hiding one at Nana's house. Maybe that's burying one on a piece of metal under the backyard or where you go hiking all the time. It's different for everybody, but having a second copy where it's not going to get found un unintentionally, um, really important. And that second place shouldn't be a safety deposit box because private keys have been ac accessed in safety deposit boxes at banks both through due diligence, so through tardiness, or through act by accident. And those coins have moved from those 24 words, and the banks were found not at fault. And the insurances that come with safety deposit boxes are not the same as the chartered bank rights. Uh, it's a separate entity, and you have a contract or agreement that you're signing into, and the, the maximum payout of most safety deposit boxes, if something goes wrong, is like $1,000, right? So even if even if you won the legal case, the most they would have to pay you is a thousand bucks. Okay. Also, who the hell's gonna let you in the bank in a time of crisis? Who the hell are you that you're so important that you know Mr. Joe Blow is gonna? Oh, Mr. No, no, Joe, I'm not going home to my family right now. Make sure everything's okay. I'm gonna open the door. I'm gonna get my manager in here. We'll let you, but just you in because things are a little weird right now. Right. Like what was going on in New York and all these places during these riots where the banks, the banks literally boarded up their doors. They boarded up the doors in China. They were putting tanks in front of the fucking banks. How are you getting your seed words from the bank? Like now, now we're in some like Tom Clancy heist shit just so you can get access to your wealth. What a stupid place to leave your money when you could literally leave it. Like, you know, you take your electrical socket open and then like just stuff it into the drywall. Don't even leave it in the socket. Just send that bitch into that wall somewhere. <laughs> you don't you don't need to know where it is. Put it in a Ziploc bag and just stick that puppy in there. 
you know that if something goes wrong, you can punch a hole in the wall and go get it. Right? So then redundancy, very important. I like the steel plates. They're called seed plates. They're pieces of metal. And what you do is you write your 24 words, and you can use any piece of metal <clears throat> ultimately, but I like the seed plates. And I like the ones that have two pieces that sandwich together. You write your 24 words down with a Sharpie, and then you go on Amazon, you buy something called a punch kit. And they look like drill bits with letters on them. That's all it is. And you just hold the little drill bit above the, the A and you hammer each A. And instead of doing each word, which will literally take like an hour, because you're fishing all the different letters out constantly, do all the A's, then do all the B's, then do all the C's. Take you like 10 minutes. And then you got a piece of metal that's got your words written on it in Sharpie. It's got your words punched on it, like imp Im impressed. You can go put that, you can literally go bury that You can in cement under your patio. You can go lift a giant rock, climb up a tree and stick it in there where it's going to grow over itself. Whatever. Acid, water, flood, fire, all that shit. Impervious. You can go bury it. You know, I used I make this joke when I travel around the world, I epoxy these things to famous bridges. So if you ever see a little piece of metal epoxied with black epoxy to the side of a bridge, that might be one of my hardware wallets. That <laughs> might be one of my set. And it's like because, you know, I never know where I'm going to be when shit goes down. So I got a little Bitcoin wallets hidden, you know, the Alexander Bridge in Paris. <laughs> Go look for it. It's there. There is a. I, I said too much already. But, <laughs> Yeah, so there's these things uh, that are important. Redundancy. I like the seed plates. And then uh, I think lastly, the and I'm not going to get into it too much because you're going to see Good Guy Biker cry, which is lame, but uh, family planning. Uh, Spencer and I have had to help several times with unexpected deaths in the space. And it's always a very arduous process for those families. And in some cases, we're talking like families left with absolutely no liquid income for many months until we're able to solve the issues. And that's really fucked up to do that to your family. So if you are going to be one of these people that are invested in the space, have the goddamn respect to make sure that if something ever happens to you, it can benefit the people you love. Because what a selfish thing that is to do with your life savings and all your hard work. If if your intention was to do it for them and then you screw it up or overcomplicate or put into a multi-sig and screw it up or put a password on it. and Nobody knows how to deal with that later. The, the think that you could have 100 coins and that your family's going to be able to find all of those different coins after your death, like all your, all your shit coins. <clears throat> all these coins have forked and they're different. No, they're just... The majority of that stuff you have in your wallet, they're never going to figure out how to do anything with. It's gone. It's worthless to them. You know, they'll know how to do something with the Bitcoin, but most of that other stuff is just going to be noise. Right? You're not benefiting them in that sense. So uh, I would never, ever give it to a lawyer. I would never, ever have it in full form, your, your 24 words. We, I, I use the treasure map approach. How does that so, work? So you have, so for me, it's the trust but uh, you have a lawyer or a trust or your will or trusted trusted members in your network, family members or friends. You, you basically leave them a letter that describes to your family where to go find the 24 words. So it's, it's like a treasure map in that it's like, hey, Mr. Legal Process, if I was to ever die, this letter needs to be delivered to, you know, my wife. 
or if she's if she's in the car, it needs to be delivered to this person, right? And then this is the person I would like you to contact for help with this process, right? Call Spencer, because I trust Spencer. You know, these basement savants we talk about that that don't care so much about money and they're trying to solve problems. I would trust these guys with duffel bags with a million dollars. They just don't think like other people. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and Spencer is my go-to for that. So I would have my family call Spencer in that situation, and he would guide them through that process. And even better, you get Nana a Kraken account. You get Nana a crypto account on one of these exchanges, and you walk through that process with your wife. You walk through the recovery process with, like, one or two friends of yours. Yeah, you don't even have to tell them. It's for, like, that shit. It's just, like, you know, tell your wife, hey, man, if something happens to me, Jimmy knows how to do this stuff, okay? Like, mm. call Jimmy, okay? Don't call anybody. Don't Google it. Don't go to the yellow pages and, like, have you just recently had a death? Have you been scammed? You know, do you want help getting scammed? So we can scam <laughs> you even more because you're obviously a vulnerable person. Like it's so, oh, we can definitely get your money back. It's crypto. You're not getting your money back, right? They're just scamming you more. Best advice, like don't Google it. <laughs> no, yeah, you're definitely going to get scammed, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So treasure map, uh, understanding it, redundancy, and having a family plan. That's awesome, man. Um, last little question. I always ask this for fun, and since you are very much a, a, a Bitcoin guy, um, twenty thirty, where do you sort of see Bitcoin price wise? You can okay, give me so you, you little can, you... context. Let's sprinkle some context. And I am a Bitcoin miner. All the bitcoins will be mined by twenty one forty. At that point, it will only be the transaction fee that is left as reward, which I think like Bitcoin liquidity at all at that point will probably be incredibly valuable. So even if you're getting it at a loss, the ability to get it might be really powerful. People lock it all up in a sense in these mm -hmm. smart contracts, in these different layers on lightning. If all the Bitcoin gets locked up, there's no Bitcoin. I, my Bitcoin is locked up. I don't know about yours, but it's locked. So and a lot more Bitcoin is going to end up that way over time. Um. Right. 2040, uh, the transaction fees, the two, there's two parts of the Bitcoin network, the, Tw the rewards. 20, 2030, 2030, less right, than a sorry. decade. 2040. 2030. No, no, right. No, I understand. But in okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. I'm going backwards. I'm, I'm right, let's keep confident. working back. Yeah, I got you. You're with okay, me. Sorry. So 2140, there's no more new Bitcoin. By 2040, the transaction fees will overtake the block subsidy. So mining and accumulating, as far as I'm concerned, is kind of a race until 2040. Right. Mine and buy as much as you can until then, because at that point, the ability to buy amounts will be much smaller and the availability of those will probably be less. Which is so you'll you'll be able to buy it, but you'll be getting a lot less of it in a sense. Right. So it's kind of a race till 2040. 2030. I think we'll start to see more mainline adoption. Um, but what I will acknowledge is that most Bitcoiners think this is going to happen a lot faster than it's going to happen. This is a hundred year process. This is a, this, any form of wealth changeover, a store of value changeover is a generational thing. It doesn't happen. And I get it, technology and whatever stuff happens quick and it's happening faster all the time. But I think by 2030, 
we'll, we'll, we'll have another two cycles by then, in a sense. We'll be working through another, you know, we've got a halving in April of next year. Um, we'll have another one four years after that. I think what we see is kind of a run in price going into those happenings, a kind of a scare in liquidity. I think by 2030, a lot of the mining interest in America will be OFAC compliant. I think most corporations, most people like Michael Saylor, MicroStrategies, Coinbase, right? All these companies, all these publicly traded companies, all these companies that are registered in these different jurisdictions or under these different um, rule sets, by these different regulatory boards and, and, and establishments, I think they're all going to be OFAC compliant, meaning that they're all going to be under the government's control. So all the mining interests in America that will remain profitable due to subsidies from, from, from OFAC and WEF and ESG and all these other things. Um, I think probably most mining interests will have left America. Something like 44, 40% of the mining interest is going on in, in America right now. Uh, and it was previously in China, and then a lot of it went to Iran, and the government was unfavorable. It left, and now it's come to America, and a lot of that's moving through to Canada. I think we're like at 14% of the hash rate in Canada right now, which is crazy. We're, we're punching way above our, our weight. But I think that, that process continues. And so I think a lot of the invested interest is going to leave America as a stronghold. And we'll see these these European companies. You know, We see Jack and what he's doing, right? And what those guys are doing, we see a lot of these different businesses, uh, KuCoin, for example, and the Seashells kind of as that international entity. I think we're going to see a lot more of that taking over. And so I think Bitcoin in 2030, certainly not a million yet, uh, but I think we will have countries on the standard or working towards that now. Like really, not so much like El Salvador, but kind of like they throw the hail melee everything our currency is going to zero throw everything we got at bitcoin and let's try it again i think we're going to see a lot of collapsing currencies start to fall into bitcoin i think we're going to see the majority of collapsing currencies fall into the u.s dollar i think we'll see some currencies collapse into things like uh gold again different minerals and rare earth minerals and things of that nature but uh i think you know even if we start we're, we're at like two percent adoption one percent adoption uh, worldwide. Some countries, it's well over 70-80%. You talk about places like India, you talk about places like Turkey, you talk about places like um, you know, um, uh, Philippines, different parts of Africa, for example. The the penetration of people who use cryptocurrency in a lot of those places is like well above 40%. Right? But that's because there's a need in those places. So will we have a need here in America? Will we have a need in Ireland? Will Bitcoin be important? Will they try to take our Bitcoin from us? Will they make us buy Bitcoin and leave it in the bank? Is that is that where this is going? Um, if if they overregulate things, then I think things will blow up a lot faster. Anytime you push against Bitcoin, it pushes back. Uh, if they if they if if government adopts Bitcoin, becomes very, you know, if you can start paying your taxes with a discount and all these types of things, kind of worldwide, we start to see that take off. Then I think this whole thing slows down. You know, I think this just becomes kind of a. Yeah, I think I think we'll be several hundred thousand dollars by twenty thirty. Probably a lot lower than most people suspect. We could still be under two hundred fifty k by then, right? Uh, I I use Google Analytics for a lot of reflections. Google the Google Trends is a really good one, and I'll encourage everyone to do this. 
If you've never looked at an address on a blockchain explorer before, please do look up some of your wallets, look up these exchanges. Anyone who's ever sent you a Bitcoin, look up their wallet and like learn how these heuristic things work. Um, but I, I think I think most of this stuff is going to be captured, right? MicroStrategy is going to have to bend the knee. Coinbase is going to have to bend the knee. Um, and I think a lot of citizens will. And I think that's what we're dealing with in, until 2030. Regulatory capture and like mainline adoption, not freedom money. I think we're 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 in a different phase right now. The samurai, the regulators are here with their flaming samurai swords, and they're going to do everything they can to become the crypto czars and guarantee themselves lovely paying positions and board positions. They want to be, you know, the leaders and get all the kickbacks and have that kind of network benefit of being those regulators. So, a lot of bullshit probably between now and then. Less. Less Bitcoin beautifulness and more like pushing back and forth, uh, politically speaking. And I think that's why a lot of invested interest is just going to leave places like America and just go to other places like like a lot of places are establishing in places like Estonia, right? Because they've got more forward facing laws as far as the European things. And we get into other stuff, but 2030, I've got probably less hopes than most people do in the space. I think I'm a little more pragmatic about it, but I awesome. don't think. I don't think it changes. Yeah. It's always been an escape hatch. It's always been cypherpunk money. It's always been, it's always had the ability to be money that can't be stopped, money you can't screw with. Uh, and, and it continues to be, even while people are putting pictures on it, even while people are doing all these other things, staking it and having it lost in BlockFine, doing all this other stuff. The benefit of the protocol, the code still exists. And just like TCPIP, the internet, and most things are built on top of it, FTP, SMS, all these different services live on top of TCPIP protocol. I think Bitcoin is going to be that layer one for a lot of different things. And a lot of things are going to build out on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And that's because it's code. You can't mess with the code. No matter what's <laughs> going on with all the prices and the people and the things, the protocol is sound. The, the utility it gives you is sound. And just because you've never been in a situation where Bitcoin is the only exit you have left doesn't mean you won't in the future. I think a lot of people will become Bitcoiners out of necessity. Some of us are lucky enough to do it with our big brain and do it as speculative portfolio stuff. But I think in time, a lot of Americans will have to buy their Bitcoin a second time too. Because they've had it somewhere else, they've left it. Like a lot of people who had Bitcoin in Celsius, they're going to have to buy their stack again, aren't they? Mm. I think as nations, they're going to have to deal with that whole process still. So 2030, it's going to be rough between here and there. Going, we're going up. We're going God, up. You're, you're, you're still you're still at a couple of a couple of hundred k, so that's still pretty bullish, I guess. Oh, for sure. But people people were calling hundred k right the longs, the GBDC stuff. People think we're going to a million dollars this next cycle. Google Analytics shows that we had, we didn't have as much interest in in the term Bitcoin, even in this entire cycle. This cycle from 22k, or rather 26k to 68k, was venture capital money screwing around. It was Almeida and all these bullshit tokens mm. pumping stuff up. It wasn't consumer money at all. It wasn't. <laughs> that's why Lop at Casa, who was that Bitcoin multisig provider has to now support Ethereum people because there was no one with Bitcoin coming to buy multi-sig services. There was no one left. There was no consumers. It was all venture capitalists. Like, 
Kevin O'Leary and these assholes trying to make money selling stupid shit. Uh, and if we see that consumer rush this coming cycle, I don't think we will. I think this cycle is a regulatory rush. I think this coming cycle, they're going to make it harder for people, not easier. I think it's going to be, I think it was easier last year than it will be next year. To like buy Bitcoin and then put it in your hardware wallet. They're going to start putting conditions on this stuff. You're going to have to start writing paragraphs before you can send it to yourself. Yeah, right? it's it's already it's already like that, man. Especially here in Ireland, it's like, and again, that's something that I've seen coming as well. I'm like, buy your Bitcoin while you can buy it because it's only going to get more difficult. And now, lo and behold, it's like there's all these things you can only buy for your safety. You can buy as much lotto tickets as you want. You can go to the bookies and give them a hundred grand on a Friday evening. But by Jesus, you can only buy so much Bitcoin every month. And it's you like sit at the slot machine and pee yourself on old age pension. <laughs> You're allowed to do that. You can only buy twenty thousand dollars of this thing at once. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, well, for sure, it's coming, and I, I don't think so. Yeah, I have. It's gonna be rocky. Yeah, the next ten years, next seven years, six years. It's not what people think. It's gonna be a mess. I, I, I'm here for it, and I'm gonna be making videos. I'm gonna be hacking all the things. I'm gonna be putting completely harmless malware and all the upgrades harmless malware everybody <laughs> i'm gonna be screwing around with everything and doing it all forward facing without paying for marketing right i'm not yeah. going anywhere i'm here for it you'll be here having fun um that is uh that's awesome alex good guy biker i want to thank you for coming on having a bit of crack with us telling us about what you're doing going into broad areas. It's been a fun chat. It's been an awesome chat. It's been good to meet you, get to know you a little bit. Uh, is there anywhere you'd like people to, where can people catch you or connect you with you, Twitter maybe? or? Yeah, so I'm like, I'm forward, forward, forward facing, not anonymous in any sense. Uh, good Guy Biker is kind of the way to find me. Good Guy Biker on Twitter, Good Guy Biker on YouTube, on Facebook, just whatever.com slash Good Guy Biker. Um, I will never, there's a ton of people that impersonate me. Fake good guy bikers. Yeah. There's loads of me as well. Bikers, bad guy bikers. <laughs> bad guy bikers. Bunch of bad guy scooters out there. <laughs> so I will never ask you to, and the only thing I'll ever ask you to pay for is time with me on a call. I don't need money from you for anything else unless you want my time. That's the only thing that costs money. Um, I have nothing to sell you outside of that. Uh, I will never ask you to send money to a website. Uh, I will never encourage you to do any investing in robot trading or AI or arbitrage or Forex or any of that stuff. The only thing I want you to do with your Bitcoin, I want you to buy your Bitcoin on a reputable exchange. And I want you to do your KYC, you know your customer. So when that Bitcoin runs, you can sell it later at an opportune time without having to wait three months for your identification to get verified so you can sell a lot. So do all that stuff now. And I want you to put it into a hardware wallet and leave it for long periods of time. And be invested with the fact that you made a good decision. That's it. And if you do that, I can guarantee you that you'll have a good experience just like myself and everybody else that's come along with us. That's what I want. And no matter what any bad guy biker tells you, that's all I want for you. Uh, but please follow me. We, we release all this stuff. we got tons of videos. Uh, you feel free to reach out to me at all. Uh, Twitter is probably the best place. Um, I will happily try to answer all your questions. I go through all the replies. If it's something that we can get on about, I'm happy to help with you or your team with whatever it is. And uh, yet, yeah, don't be too worried about dragging other people into this, guys. You know, don't you don't have to bring everybody. Picture, picture it like being Santa Claus, right? If you have the a big platform that you can stand on, then you can pull other people up on that platform. So don't spend all your time trying to help everybody now. Try to help yourself. Get strong. Get get supported. 
and then you can radiate that intent into the world around you of goodness of 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 change of whatever it is right and and be like Santa Claus. Don't give all your cousins, your brothers, and your dad Bitcoin. They're just going to lose it. You you keep that Bitcoin safe and just radiate gifts of love and joy and necessities on those people that you care for. Right? Santa Claus effect. Santa Claus effect. Awesome. Good, Don't good. Don't give like your Bitcoin people. <laughs> it's been Don't a pleasure, it. man. It's been a pleasure.